that song that uh, we just sang, uh, Suffering Servant, uh, I'm guessing many of you might not be familiar with that song, and, and that's okay. Uh, but James actually read the song before we sang it. Um, and I wanted to, James has already read this, but I just felt compelled to read it once again. Uh, and if you would, just as I read this, uh, I'd invite you to close your eyes. Uh, I'm not going to have the, the scripture up on the screen for this. I just want you to hear uh, what was said 700 years uh, before Jesus ever came, uh, because God had promised that one day he would send a redeemer, a messiah, uh, a savior, uh, and he said that this redeemer, messiah, savior would have to suffer uh, for the evil uh, that was in the world, the sin that was in us. Uh, God said, I will make a way for you to be with me, Uh, and 700 years before Jesus ever came, Uh, This is what the prophet Isaiah said. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and he was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We, we turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised. And we, we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. But he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. And it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. That is Isaiah 53, a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And it is probably one of the most powerful passages, not the only, but one of the most powerful passages in the Old Testament uh, 
that tells us exactly the great lengths that God went to uh, to make a way for you and I uh, to have home with God, both now and forever. Uh, in just a few minutes, uh, I wanted to share with you uh, four things that I believe uh, surrounding the cross, surrounding the death of Jesus. And the first one uh, is this, I believe that Jesus died. I believe Jesus died. It says in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 46, By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. I don't know if you've ever considered that verse, but at noon when the sun would be shining at its brightest, Uh, The sun did not shine. Utter darkness uh, came across the land. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And if you're not familiar with the curtain, the curtain was the very thing that separated God from man. Uh, Behind the curtain uh, was where God's holy of holies, where his presence dwelled. And no one was allowed back behind the curtain. A curtain was 30 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and about an inch thick. It's about as thick as the Bible that most of us have. And it was torn, symbolizing what Jesus is doing on the cross has just made a path. Where there was a curtain before us and God, between us and God, the curtain was torn. And then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. His death came in utter darkness. And as you consider scripture, darkness really symbolizes three things. Darkness represents evil done by humanity. Darkness represents just our own sin. Darkness represents anti-God forces, spiritual rebellion. And darkness represents God's judgment. And what happened at the cross is a picture of all three. Humanity's sin, spiritual rebellion, and God's judgment. But when I say I believe that Jesus died, I believe that Jesus died uh, to deal with human sin, to fight spiritual rebellion, and to take upon himself the judgment of God that was rightly for us. And this picture of the cross in the darkest, bleakest hour being torn, what an incredible picture of what Jesus' death makes a way for us to be with God. The second thing, I believe Jesus died for you. I believe he died for you. I believe he had you in mind. I believe he had me in mind. He didn't just die for an abstract thought. He didn't die for an abstract idea. He died for you. Your name, your story. He knew you and he died for you. John the Baptist uh, said this of Jesus when he saw him. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in uh, Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 42, Jesus, in one of his most painful moments leading up to the cross, is praying with his Father, and he says, Father, if you are willing Please take this cup of suffering away from me. He says, please 
take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. When you hear this language of the cup, uh, the cup uh, in Scripture is a metaphor for the wrath of God. And so when Jesus says, please take this cup, he knew how great the suffering and the wrath of God would be. And I think sometimes when we hear the wrath of God, most people are like, I don't want a wrathful God. I just want a God who loves. I just, I just want a God who is just loving. Don't tell me about a God who is wrathful. Tim Keller, uh, in a great book uh, called King's Cross, said this, if you want a loving God, you have to have an angry God. What does God do with sin? What does he do with evil? If God does not punish sin, we would say, well, you're not just. If he doesn't punish sin, it would be like someone coming into a courtroom who committed murder, who committed rape, who committed a horrific crime, whatever it is, and the judge says, don't worry about it. I think all of us would say, well, that is, where's the justice in that? If God does not punish sin, well, he's not holy, and we know God is holy. He's perfect. If God does not punish sin, he is not loving. It would be like one of my sons hitting my daughter again and again and again and again, and me not punishing him for his actions. The wrath of God is revealed, but it also reveals something about God. And I wrote it down like this, the greater the wrath the greater the love. The greater the wrath, the greater the mercy. The greater the wrath, the greater the grace. The greater the wrath, greater is God. And so when we see this picture of the cross and what Jesus did, we see an incredible picture of the wrath of God and Jesus absorbing it all. John Piper said, God is not content to leave people under his wrath, nor can he simply sweep sin under the rug of the universe Therefore, his love and his justice conspire and make a way for sinners to be saved and God's justice to be vindicated. The answer is the death of Jesus. His love and his wrath conspire together. How? The cross. An incredible picture of God's great love. And I would challenge you with this tonight. If you don't believe in a God of wrath, you will never comprehend just how fully you are loved and valued by God. So when I consider Good Friday, when I consider this cross, that to me is a statement of just how much I'm loved, how much I am valued, the great lengths that God would go to to make sure that justice is served that his holiness. So I see that, and I see a picture of wrath, but I see an incredible picture of God's demonstration of his love for me. Again, John Piper said this, I measure your love for me by the magnitude of the wrath I deserved and the wonder of your mercy by putting Christ in my place. I don't know if you've ever considered just how much God loves you by weighing it in, in light of God's wrath but I measure your love for me by the magnitude of the wrath that I deserved. And so I look at that, and it is an exclamation point of just how much you and I are loved. The third thing I would say that I believe, I believe Jesus took upon himself 
on the cross the full weight of God's wrath so that I would not have to. I want to read this uh, Bible verse. It's uh, Roman, uh, John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus made a way because Jesus on the cross took upon himself the full weight of God's wrath so that we would not have to. But yet if we do not look to Christ, if we turn our heads and say, that's not the way, then the full weight of God's wrath is on us and we will have to pay the penalty and endure that. But in love, Jesus came and says, whoever believes the Son has life. Jerry Bridges in a a very helpful book called The Gospel for Real Life said this, Jesus exhausted the wrath of God. It was not merely deflected and prevented from reaching us. It was exhausted. Jesus bore the full, unmitigated brunt of it. God's wrath against sin was unleashed in all its fury. On his beloved son, he held nothing back. If you know that, and if you believe that, then you will read Romans chapter 8, verse 1 very differently because it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You don't stand condemned. No one could ever point their finger at you, and God could never point his finger and say, you are condemned. Live with your guilt, live with your shame, live with your separation. Why? Because Jesus took upon himself the full weight of God's wrath, and he exhausted it. So when Jesus sees you, he sees me forgiven. The fourth and final thing I'd share with you tonight, I believe Jesus' death on the cross secures our forgiveness so that we could be made right with God. I believe Jesus' death on the cross secures our forgiveness so that we could be made right with God. When you came in tonight uh, on your chair, uh, I'd ask you to pick it up now, uh, is a card. And on one side, on black, uh, with red lettering, it just says forgiven. And I wanted to read to you the scripture. It's also on the back side, not the entire verse, but I wanted to read to you Colossians 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 13, 14, and 15. And it says this, You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. Uh, was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus took everything upon himself, all of our sin, all of our evil, everything, and he nailed it to the cross. Why? So that you and I could be forgiven. I believe Jesus' death on the cross secures our forgiveness so that we could be made right with God.